Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast, where today we are unraveling the mystery of email marketing with our guest, Mr. Kyle Stout, as he walks us through how to easily leverage email marketing to grow our business. And with that, I will turn it over to our hosts, Josh Melton and Chad Brown. Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast. Today, we are going to learn about how to make more money. Man, that is That's your favorite thing. Love yeah. language, Josh. And not only make <laughs> more money, how about this for like a lead-in kind of buzz term, hidden revenue. Okay. It's like treasures inside of your business you haven't found yet. We're going to show you the map to uncovering and finding hidden revenue in your business. Our guest is going to be our guide today. He's the founder of Elevate and Scale. Uh, he's a leader in digital marketing. And uh, Kyle Stout, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for having me. It's Kyle, so the way that Chad made that sound, by the way, I, in my mind, I pictured hide and seek. I was like, man, I would have loved playing hide and seek even more as a kid if every time you found somebody, there was like a stack of additional you know, revenue, some money. I could pick up along the way. So I like the way you entered that. Yeah, it's kind of like Easter egg hunting uh, and hide and seek all mixed in one. Did y'all have that like prize Easter oh, yeah, egg? Yeah, the prize egg. It's like something with some money in it. Uh, for us back in the day, it's $5, oh, yeah. which means nothing. At this Jesus, y'all are loaded. Yeah. For us, it was like a, a quarter. You actually had a piece of candy in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But no, thanks for joining us today, Kyle. Uh, it's going to be fun, man. We're going to. Talk about some things that, that we know a little bit about, I feel like, on our side, but not a lot about. And that's, uh, you know, digital marketing and specifically email marketing and how to find that, you know, that hidden revenue. Uh, how did you get started in this? And uh, tell us a little bit about your journey, man. Okay, yeah. So I, I got started in the digital marketing world in 2013. I started out as a freelance copywriter. And originally was just, you know, trying to learn and trying to take on any project I could get. So I was writing a lot of sales copy for uh, business websites. And that led to doing email marketing and writing ad copy. And really what, what really kind of helped me get some momentum going was I was a ghostwriter for a couple of big agencies. And one of them specifically, they had me go through, they basically gave me a, a masterclass on all things digital marketing. And they, I got to get my hands on um, the marketing programs for a lot of companies that I probably wouldn't have had access to at the time. And as time went on, I just kept coming back to email marketing because that was the area where I kept seeing the best results. Um, and I also just, I think it was one thing that I just enjoyed a little bit more. So when I wanted to go start my own agency, I knew that that was going to be the main service I wanted to offer. And so after a little bit of iteration, because I did try to do an all-in-one approach at one point, and I realized, you know what, I should just stick with what I know because it's very difficult to be really good at a lot of different things. And so, yeah, I started Elevate and Scale in 2019, and we've just been rolling ever since. Chad, I'll admit this. Personally, for me, I suck at email marketing. Well, I think you said earlier before we started the podcast, you're like, man, I have a love-hate relationship it, it really with email is. marketing. Yeah. What I find myself doing, Kyle, is so I get these emails and especially, so we're, this is early December. We just came out of Black Friday, right? <laughs> like yep. November, I mean, it's the Black Friday thing. There's just so many emails and it's like, hey, you only got an hour left. Hey, you only got 59 minutes left. Hey, you only got 50. I mean, this is so much of a, just a, you're getting barrage of 
of emails. And so, um, and I get it, you know, there's, there, you gotta be seen and heard and all that stuff, but I think there's a piece of me that's reluctant to get more engaged in email marketing, though I know that it's an incredibly valuable tool because I see all that. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just don't want to be sending 4 billion emails and writing all that copy and doing all this and also annoying the hell out of my, my, my reader is what I'm thinking in my mind. Right. So this is just my mental construct of this. But that being said, I still subscribe to email newsletters. I still read them. Chad, you want to know when I read them? When I should be doing something else. <laughs> it's like a mechanism <laughs> for, I really needed to respond to this email Chad sent me about Stronger Business Summit. But instead, <laughs> I'm going to read this newsletter from June of 2020 that just, <laughs> I just found searching for something else. But I, I think that's, again, I know the value of, of email marketing. I know it's a huge deal. In fact, um, just walking in here, I looked on Facebook, a group I'm a part of, a mastermind group, and somebody was saying, the day is a terrible day because I, for nothing I've done, TikTok just permanently shut down my account. Then I have no idea mm -hmm. why, but that was their mechanism for producing sales for their for their company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They don't have, their, you know, they, they have an email list, but they haven't been actively building their email list or engaging that way. And it's like, yeah, poof, they're lion's share of their business is gone. So, hey, that's enough of me ranting about my love, hate. I get, I see the value, but I also I feel the reluctance. So can you like walk us through, why should companies be engaging in email marketing? What are maybe some examples of some wrong ways to do it? And what are some examples of some right ways to do it that are truly going to help us find that hidden revenue? Okay, you touched on a really important point. And a lot of people, I think they just gloss over this and they think, well, that, that why would that happen to me? One of the most important reasons to focus on your email marketing is because you have a direct line of communication to your customers and leads on a platform that you own and control. So right now, you know, over the last several years, we're just used to all of the excitement in the marketing world has been focused around social media and especially lately around short form video and, and TikTok especially. And, and I'm not trying to you know bash them or say that you shouldn't do them because I don't, I definitely don't. Think that's the case at all um because what's awesome is that you can get this explosive growth of attention and you know in a very short amount of time sometimes it's luck sometimes it's just timing you know you had the right message for the right audience at that time but i find that too many businesses are not converting that audience over into their email list and it's it's pretty risky because what happens is you know on tiktok right now you get great exposure with your audience, but it probably won't always be the case because if we look at how social media platforms have always played out, they give you a lot of, um, you know, they, they allow you to reach more people early on to get more people overall on the platform and staying on the platform. But eventually it turns into a pay for play system where you're having to invest in their ad platform just to reach the audience that you've already worked hard to build. And with email marketing, that's not the case. You know, you've got this list and as long as they stay subscribed, You've got a way to stay in touch with those people for as long as you want. So, and then getting to the other part of your question about, um, you know, right and wrong ways. Well, there's a lot we can talk about there, but I, I would say that there is kind of like what you were saying originally, how you have this love hate thing where on one hand you hate getting bombarded with emails from people, but on the other hand, you understand the value of email marketing. You, you understand why these businesses are doing it. And every business has to find that balance because What's interesting is for every business that emails way too often, there are even more business owners that aren't emailing their list enough. And they just, 
because they they have that same conversation in their head that you were saying to yourself as they sit down to go write the email and they immediately they're already thinking okay i'm going to whatever i do here i'm going to be annoying my people and it's very hard to sit there and come up with uh, there's just a lot of pressure you're putting on yourself to come up with this perfect email and if you're only sending an email once every month or once a quarter or whatever then yeah you you do need that one email to really go well because it's the only one you're sending out but if you have a more frequent touch point and you're emailing people, let's say once a week, now there's not so much pressure on any one individual email being a home run or not being such a big deal if it's a total flop, because you're going to come right back next week and your audience starts to get used to this cadence of communication. And you will see that it actually warms up your list more if you email them more frequently, if you're the, the one who's starting from the point of not emailing them at all. That that definitely makes sense. Um, I know for me, almost feel like, man, email marketing was an awesome strategy five years ago, but it's I'm so late to the game because I'm getting so many freaking emails every day. Is that the case, or is that just something um, a mindset? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think there's a piece again. Part of the reluctance I feel is like, I mean, I'm just gonna add, you know, another email to the email newsletter jump yeah. box that my my you know. Uh, our reader is going to be getting. But again, you're saying like, and there's Josh, there's a lot more of you out there that aren't sending the emails they should be sending more so than there is people that are sending five a day or whatever too much. Yeah. You know, I think it's kind of like, you know, in politics, people say that uh, the people who should really run are the ones who don't want to, right. And the ones who, <laughs> who want to are the worst people a lot of times, not always, but it's kind of like, I think that there's a lot of similarity with the business owners who don't want to annoy their audience or their customers are probably going to just naturally send better content because they're already empathetic towards those people than the other business owners who are just trying to milk their list for as much as they can get. And honestly, when you whenever you're getting those multiple emails a day, I'm not going to say that it's the case with every single person, of course, but I have seen behind the scenes and a lot of these business owners, they the way they treat their list, they don't really respect their customers as much as they should. And they, and they are just milking it a little too hard. And, you know, you feel that it's, it's annoying to get that many emails, but to get back to your question, uh, I think we all feel that way. Like it seems saturated and at some level we are all kind of annoyed about we're emailed whenever we get too many emails or we're email, we're annoyed when we get emails we didn't want, but we jump at any email that we love to get, anything that we're actually interested in, anything that we're actively shopping for right now. Um, anyone who's you know actually puts a little bit of thought into putting content in there that we care about, we we of course continue to still engage with those. So it's not really an issue of being saturated. It's just more of an issue of are you being thoughtful with what you're putting in the emails? I know for, see, this would drive me crazy back in the day. Some people still do it, but there was like these tricks to getting your emails opened. Mm -hmm. And so I would see it and it would say, you know, the R, the R E colon, right? So it's like, if you're replying to an email has, mm -hmm. and I would see that used and I would see an email and it'd say that. And I'm like, you're trying to trick me. <laughs> I didn't, this yeah. say you're not responding to an email. I said to you, you're trying to mess with me. Well, what are the ways in regards to, you know, from standpoint of making sure you're adding value, if I'm looking at my email inbox and there's, you know, 500 emails in it and a percentage of those where I know, hey, it's important, I should be reading those emails. I can't get to the ones I know I need to get to. What are some of the ways that you're going to create value from a 
the first second I see the email. So if I'm getting this email from Kyle, I'm like, oh, it's an email from Kyle. It's a newsletter. So it's sent to thousands of people, but I need to open it. Are there some, say, is there a secret to that? It really comes down to just doing some of the fundamental stuff. So a lot of times we get so caught up working in our business and we don't spend any time working on the business. And so a lot of business owners haven't really taken a step back to do some of the basic marketing things like buyer persona research or whatever you want to call it, but but just really understanding your customers, uh, the things they care about. So all of their hopes, dreams, fears, their their worries. And I like to really understand the, the lifestyle that complements whatever you're selling. So uh, if you're if you're selling dog products, you know, are you selling to people that uh, there's a lot of ways of different of positioning. So a lot of people, they are really active with their dogs and that's kind of like the angle of their brand. So they're going to be interested in content. That's not just strictly about dogs, but also just like hiking and, you know, it, taking your dog on adventures or whatever. You're and speaking so, the right language right now, Kyle. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm in. Sign me up. Chad is a dog <laughs> guy. This guy okay, throws nice. more lavish birthday parties for his dogs than I do my children. It's ridiculous. Like he's a dog guy. So yeah, you're, uh-huh. You're barking up the right tree right now, man. This is this is the right out to be chasing now. See, and that's the thing. So, like, okay, if you understand that about your customers, then the type of person who's going to throw the big dog party for their dog is a very different customer than the person who just you know like buys one thing from PetSmart a year or whatever, and it's just like the kind of basic stuff, right? Um, so, yeah, I it's not so much a secret formula. Although I will say, doing the tricks to get people to open. I'm actually a big proponent of not doing that. And I also take a stance. A lot of people don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think subject lines are near as important as we make them out to be. Okay. Uh, yes, they will. They will dictate the open rate, but it's more important f- depending on how cold your audience is. So for the colder the audience is, the more important that subject line is. The more that you actually have a good connection with your email list, you've been emailing them frequently, you've been sending them content they like, you can pretty much put anything in the subject line and they're going to open because it's from you and because it's from your brand. So it's more about delivering on what happens after they click into the email than trying to do any tricks with the subject line. Cause like you said, once you figure out the trick, it never works again. So once you do, once you get tricked into opening an email and you're disappointed, you've just made this decision. Even if you don't unsubscribe, you're so much less likely to ever fall for that trick again, at least from that company, because you just know that it's it's a trick to get you to open and there wasn't really anything in there that was interesting to you. That that definitely makes sense. I know the challenge for me when, and this is rare, I don't do it frequent enough because I just don't know what I'm doing. I don't have any confidence in email marketing. Um, but when I when I do kind of dabble into it uh, or try to engage in it, I know who my customer is. I know the content I, I feel my customer wants to see. But the challenge I've had is the platforms designed for email marketing. Um, I've used Clavio, I've used Karcher, I've used a few other different ones. They seem to just, for some reason, automatically, a large majority of those end up in spam or end up in junk. Even though they are my current customers, I've been in emails and banters with them throughout the year about stuff. Um, should we be staying away from the MailChimps and the Clavios and those type of platforms? Or is that something that's part of this strategy? So there's a couple of pieces here. Uh, I definitely would say just to avoid MailChimp and some of the other platforms like that, partially just because they don't really have, you're, you'll outgrow the features and they do, they are kind of known for having low 
deliverability rates. Mm-hmm. Um, Klaviyo, that's the main platform we use, and, mm-hmm. and, and we have good success with that. Um, so there's two kind of fundamental pieces. One is the technical setup of your domain. So if you're having deliverability issues, you might just take a look to see if there's any issues on that side, because sometimes uh, rules will change with Google, and maybe you haven't added a little piece of code uh, to the DNS in your domain. So that could just be something that simple. Most of the time, it's the engagement. So Gmail and the other inboxes are very sensitive about how people are responding to your emails. They're way more sensitive now than they were just even two years ago. Meaning that if you send out emails frequently that that frequently get low open and click rates, they will just say, okay, you know what? People don't want these emails and then they will start sending your emails to promotions instead of inbox and to spam. And even people who have bought from you who haven't shown, you know, they haven't like clicked, they haven't clicked spam or anything. They just, Gmail has just gotten very sensitive about that. So one way to, it's really more of a preventative thing. So you just don't, you don't want to let your engagement metrics fall too far in the first place. And a big part of that is there's the frequency issue we've talked about. So just kind of finding that sweet spot for your business. Is it too much? Is it because if again, if you're not emailing frequently enough, people have forgotten that they've even subscribed and they have a negative response to getting an email from you. Um, and of course, we know what happens if you email way too frequently. That's the whole other, that's the other side of the issue. I but, haven't subscribed at all, but every time I get an email from Chad, I have a negative experience or negative reaction. <laughs> I don't, I don't know yeah. how to unsubscribe to this thing, Kyle. If you can give me some secrets to unsubscription too, that might be beneficial for me. <laughs> yeah. So, well, some people like that, they're just, they're going to have a hard time if no one wants the email. So, so. <laughs> so is, is there a, when we're sending, let's say that first newsletter, that first, what I call, for lack of a better term, bulk email out, should there be something in there where we're trying to anticipate a, a reply or a response or some engagement? I mean, yeah, you can do things to get replies. What I would say is, first of all, is to create some segments. So if you haven't used segmentation yet, so you don't want to be sending every email to every person on your list. That's Ooh, a, yeah. Okay. So that's something that people get wrong. It's, and I, and I understand the thinking because it's like you've put a lot of time and money into getting all these people on your list and you're thinking, well, I want to get the most value out of this asset I have. So why wouldn't I send to everyone on my list? Yeah. And the answer to that is what we just talked about is because the negative en- the, the harm that the negative engagement does to your deliverability is, is more damage than the upside from emailing all of those people. The reason why is because a lot of those people are not engaged. So yes, you emailed them, but it didn't make a difference. It didn't get you any upside because they weren't going to open either way. So the first place I always have people start with segmentation are creating uh, engagement-based segments. So a common one, you can just look this up as a 30-day engaged group. And you can you can define your own rules for your business for what you call quote-unquote engaged. What, how I define it is someone who has opened an email, clicked an email, or visited your site in the last 30 days. And now you can create these for different time increments, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and so on. And so if you're just going to, if you haven't emailed your list in a while, you think, okay, there's, there's probably a lot of you know cold people on here. I would start with kind of a tighter engagement group and just see what the response is. So send that newsletter out to that 30-day engaged group. Hopefully, you're probably going to see very high open rates, probably higher than you expected. Because again, these people have all engaged in the last month. They're they're very engaged and they they remember who you are, all of that. So then the next one, send it out to the 60-day engaged group. 
And you do that until you can go as wide as you can until you see open rates, you know, start to get below 20% or, you know, click rates are the harder part. So you will see click rates fall faster than open rates. And I wouldn't let that be as big of a deterrent right away. If open rates start to fall, that's a, that's a, you know, definitely back off if you start to see open rates get low. Um, and that's one way you can start to, and you can balance, you can kind of like the way I think of it is that certain emails, like the things you want everyone to know about the big sales, a new product launch, whatever, the big exciting announcements, send those to those in, to the wider engaged groups that you can get away with. And then other things that you know that not everyone's going to care about, but your most engaged people care about, send those to the tighter group. So the 30 day engage, as opposed to the 60 or 90 day engage group. That Yeah, that I never thought about the segmenting side and approaching it in kind of a phase format. That's uh, that's definitely makes sense on my side and kind of addresses some of the things I've seen when I've tried it. Um, it's been more of a shotgun approach to it. So Chad, this makes me actually think of a question for you. So Kyle, Chad has this uh, weekly video that he does called mm -hmm. Tax Tip Tuesday. If you care to guess what day he releases it, I'll just go ahead and tell you it's on Tuesdays. But he's done it very consistently. And it's a short form video. I guess they're typically what, like three to five minutes, maybe? Yeah. Something like that. And he's releasing that on at least Facebook and Instagram. Anywhere mm -hmm. else? Yeah, that's it. Are you sending that out in an email? I'm not. So you would say, hey, that might be a good thing for Chad to send in a weekly email on Tuesdays. And most likely he's, he's an accountant. Majority of his clientele, it would probably be okay for them to be on that list because it's a tax tip and he does their taxes. But you would say, hey, man, you're missing the boat by not also having that on a newsletter or, or email newsletter, or do you think that he's fine just to do it on social media? Uh, I think so the thing is, it's like, think about how many times you log into social media and don't see posts from pages you follow just because we all follow a lot of pages now and we're just constantly bombarded with so much content. It's so easy to miss that stuff. So yeah, I mean, I would definitely send that weekly, send it to all of your clients and even send it to leads who are recently engaged. Um, you know, if they stay within that engage engagement group, keep them getting those because those are people who are actively trying to decide, should I work with him or not? You're giving them great information. And of course, your clients, you want them to get that great information as well. So you're not a set it and forget it email list approach. You're, sounds like you're constantly adjusting this engaged list almost every week or every month based on kind of what's going on inside of uh, the different platforms. Is that, do I understand that correctly? Yes, but there are things that you can sort of set and forget. So there's the automation side of email marketing. And that's uh -huh. really where what you were teasing at the very beginning of finding the hidden revenue, that's where we can, that's where there's a lot of that. Um, and so that's really more tied to your sales process. So having automations in place to just make your sales process more efficient. And those are systems that you can kind of set and forget. I, I do recommend doing, um, you know, a little bit of ongoing AB testing just to, because you can, you can actually get better performance over time with those, but they're very low maintenance. Then the ongoing email marketing, just, okay, we're going to send to our list or to certain groups in our list. That I think is where it's actually more challenging for people because that's where there's the demand to come up with ideas and to create original content. Um, and also coming up with the content for those automated emails is a lot easier. And I'd be happy to talk about that than coming up with a lot of these ongoing ideas because a lot of times the ongoing email marketing or a lot of the, I should say, like the low hanging fruit content ideas you've already covered 
in the automated emails, because those are again, tied to your sales process. So you're already giving people, um, you know, the biggest frequent answers to the biggest frequently asked questions because they're actively engaged in the sales process. So now it's like, okay, they get through all the automations, but they still haven't bought. Now I've got to keep them entertained and educated or whatever my goals are there. All right. So let's, let's put this into kind of like a real life scenario with an example, Mm -hmm. entrepreneur, business owner, let's say I own a business and it's, doesn't matter, product, service-based, whatever it may be. I've got revenue of $500,000 a year and I've got a thousand customers and I got an email list right now, 300. What should I do? I haven't done anything to date. I don't know what to do. I don't know what hidden revenue means. Walk us through kind of what formula or what guide you would, you would instruct our entrepreneurs and business owners to do at that point. Okay, so the first place I would start with any business is with the automation side. So first, just looking at your sales process. The reason why is because, okay, so you're already generating half a million a year. You've got traction. So let's just say, just so we can, this would apply to any business, whether it's service or products or whatever. But let's just assume you have a website and let's assume that you are generating sales through the website. But again, this would work for retail. It's just just that some things have to be tracked manually. First place you start is like look at the sales process, meaning what's the step-by-step process someone has to take to go from being a stranger to being a customer. So if you are an e-commerce business selling physical products online, it's most often going to be someone either came in through an ad or through a social media post. They've gone to your website, then they've gone to a product page, then they've added the product to cart. Then they've initiated step one of the checkout process and then step two, and then they're done. So in between each one of those steps, and you can go and look in your analytics, if you have any type of analytics set up, you can find that people are falling off or they're just not moving to the next step at every, there's a gap in between every single one of those steps. And to find the biggest opportunity for you right now is where where are you seeing the biggest drop off? And what we can do with email marketing is we can add in automated follow-up in between every step. Meaning that, for example, with that same product-based business, if someone uh, you know, added the product to cart, but they didn't complete their purchase, then you can enroll them into an abandoned checkout flow, which I'm sure you've all, or you've been part of before you've received an email, you know, reminding you of a product that you left in your cart, but you didn't complete that purchase. Um, and then you can do that for every step. Now, the only one caveat here is that some of those flows for the person to receive the email, they would have had to have already opted in which is why you want to have that main, if you're a product-based business, you want to have that main entry point. You want to make it really uh, enticing to get into that first flow, which would be your welcome series. So that would be kind of like step one of they've landed on the site, but they haven't done anything else. That would be step one in your sales process. And you can convert a lot of sales in that one. So when we talk about hidden revenue, I think of it like this, okay, a business has some traction. They're already getting traffic. They're already getting not only getting customers, but they're getting a lot of traffic. So they're getting a lot of people who are potential customers that that haven't turned into customers. And again, we're so we've got so many things competing for our attention right now. And there's probably many times whenever you were ready to buy something and you just got distracted, or um, maybe a competitor grabbed your attention before this company followed up with you, or whatever the case is. So. That's where the hidden revenue is. You've got all these people who are already actively in your sales process right now, and they might be receiving receiving zero follow-up. And just that little bit of follow-up is enough to nudge them forward to the next step that, that increases your sales at every step. 
And pretty much if we have a website or any sort of uh, process where we're doing things online, these analytics are there for us to pull from and be able to tap into, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, some businesses like, I mean, surprisingly, a lot of business owners will have a website set up and they won't have Google analytics and everything. And it's okay. It's like, if you don't, you know, you got to start somewhere. So definitely get that set up sooner than later. But so if you don't have the numbers, it's okay. Just start from the beginning of your sales process and just work your way down. Cause you're going to want to add all these, these email sequences in regardless. The, the whole point of just like, you know, identifying which, where the biggest gaps are is just more of a priority. Like where can we get the most low hanging fruit today? Um, but yeah, any, you know, you could be a service business and maybe you are sending people to a webinar and it's very common for people to send their leads to a webinar. And then after the webinar, uh, you know, certain amount of people will convert and a lot of people don't, but they don't have any you know, follow-up set up to where, okay, of all the people who signed up for the webinar, do you have something in place to make sure that people actually attended? So the people who didn't attend, are you following up with them to get them to go watch the replay? And then the people who watched, did they make it to the end and see the pitch? And if they didn't, do you have follow-up to get them to either go back to finish it or to at least give them the information that was going to be in the pitch so that they can get to the part you wanted them to get to? And so those are just like, it sounds simple, but it's so easy to overlook that. And it also, I guess I should say, it, it sounds simple at a high level. It doesn't sound simple when you think about implementing the technology that that intimidates people. But there are a lot of platforms that make it easier to do this, like Kartra, you mentioned earlier. That's that's a great one for service businesses. So I do these things. I get a customer. They actually go through the process. They buy from me. I think now is the million-dollar question uh, that Josh and I struggle with is, okay, we have a customer. They are in our email list now. They are They bought our product or service. They're interested in who we are and what we do. What do we do from here? And what are we trying to accomplish? Are we trying to sell something again to them next week? Are we just trying to like entertain them? Are we trying to educate them? Are we doing that once a month, once a week? What the, I don't think we as business owners, majority of us don't know the answer to any of those questions. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. And it's going to depend on the products you're selling. So if you, for example, are selling something consumable, like a supplement or a cream or whatever, where you know that in 30 days, assuming they've been using it, they're going to run out then you're probably going to be going for the repeat purchases more frequently. And one thing I would be thinking about as far as goals for, you know, what are you putting in, what kind of content are you putting in your emails is, okay, are they actually using the product? So can we, if it's a supplement, for example, can we send them content that helps them get better result, better fitness results? And that is also a reminder to keep taking the supplement so that they run out so that they need more. Same thing with the face cream. It's like, give them a, a skincare routine um, or do things that would, that genuinely help them, but at the same time, encourage them to use more of the product. And so that way they can hopefully get results from it. So that way it's easier to then sell them on a repeat purchase. Now, other businesses, they might, you might sell something where it's a bigger purchase item um, or it's something where you just only need to buy it once, like a, a really nice brand new vacuum or whatever, and you don't have any other products. Now it's a little trickier, right? Because it's like, okay, if the product, assuming the product is really good, they don't really need more than one. So the, now the only opportunity here is you can get referrals from them, or you can maybe get them to buy it as a gift for someone else, but it's, a, it's more difficult to do repeat purchases. So that's where uh, you're going to, you want to shift 
the strategy of the content, you're probably going to be less aggressive with your email, with email frequency and all of that in general. And then maybe this is also something where the business looks at, okay, how can we introduce some new uh, either accessories or some other different offers to in our business so that we have more things to email about? Like Chad, for instance, recently purchased this phenomenal hairpiece that he's wearing. <laughs> Cost a lot of money, had to get it fitted to his head. And I don't think he's going to purchase another one like really soon. Unless vacation Chad comes out, you get the blonde haired one that you had last year. It was pretty cool too for your vacations. But no, if you didn't purchase something like you're saying from a standpoint of it is a more bigger one-time purchase, I could think of some big brands um, that that sell some expensive products. Yeti, uh, Harley Davidson. I mean, I imagine if you buy a Harley, you're probably not buying another one six months down the road from now. So when they're doing their newsletters and they're you know staying in touch with their clients or customers via email, are they more just telling their brand story? Are they saying, hey, we know there's going to be, this guy's going to buy another one of our products three or five years from now. We just want to stay in front of him. I know it's going to be different for each company, but let's say it is that bigger purchase. What is going to be the purpose or point of their emails from that point on? Like, how are they so, going to keep that person opening their emails? Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great question. So brands like Yeti and Harley, I would play up more of the lifestyle. So having the content be more around the lifestyle. So people uh, who are buying those, who are either, whether it's Harley or Yeti, uh, they're into a certain lifestyle. So let's just say Yeti folks, you know, they, they uh, like to go boating, fishing, like they're, they might be outdoors people. They're hanging out on the beach, you know, whatever it is, but these are all things they associate these products with having a good time, gathering friends and family and all of that kind of stuff. And yeah, they might not need, I will say that the advantage that these two brands have is they have a lot of accessories um, and they kind of have like uh, they've, they've created a cult like following. So it is a lot of that. Yes building on the brand story, continuing to drive that cult-like following and really create that connection with the brand so that either if you do have accessories you can sell, you can get them to buy a bunch of your accessories or you just get them to fall in love with the brand that they become brand advocates and also they will come back and make. So Harley would be you know, a lot harder to, I'm not sure how often someone would on average would buy you know another bike, but like a Yeti cooler, um, you're likely with them, they're likely going to launch. They have a lot of um, a lot of different products, and some of them are higher like higher end products where if you've won them over and you've built that relationship for the last year or so, it's going to be a lot easier to sell them on another big purchase than it would be to sell to someone cold from an ad or something like that because they just haven't developed that relationship and they haven't used your product. So a lot of these things could be just like, uh, sharing UGC, so user-generated content that people post online about Yetis. So showing people different ways they can use their Yetis, different ways they can decorate them. And again, it's like, how can we get them to just have, a, just really actually use our product and have a lot of fun with our product and associate a lot of positive emotions with our product so that even if we, even if it takes a while to get that repeat sale, we can hopefully turn them into brand advocates or even find ways to encourage them to post the content online, which helps our exposure and social media. And then we can even use that stuff that they post in future emails. So it's like this circle that just, you know, a cycle that feeds itself. Yeah. And you're right. You're saying too, they can appeal to lifestyle, to adventure, because both those brands would have a sense of that. A uh, sense of, honestly, you can appeal to ego with those two brands. You actually had a much better mm -hmm. example before I brought up those brands of a vacuum cleaner. Like, I don't know anybody. Like, we also own a, a, a cleaning company. We own an office cleaning company. I don't get excited about vacuum cleaners or signing up for the newsletter. You know what I'm saying? Like, these things are like, 
they are. They're hidden revenue for me. They're sucking up the profits for us. But I'm like, I don't get excited about a vacuum cleaner. So how does a, you know, how does a Hoover or something like that keep you coming back with their emails? Um, I think for uh, for for me too. With that being said, part of it with saying there are certain brands that they sense that they send stuff out, and there is an element of something exciting that would make me want to open it up. But then there's other things like a cleaning service. Again, Chad has a, an accounting service or an income tax preparation service. It's like, how do you provide value with a product or service like that that is going to compel people to want to see what you had to say? Other than Text Tip Tuesday, which has also been yeah. rebranded. I don't know if you did this or not. I saw somebody comment several oh, times. Like a nickname. They're like, I love T3 or 3T or whatever they said. I was like, that's pretty good. You got a cold following. But no, it's, I think that's some of, some of the challenges – I think that we would say with our us personally, but also probably a lot of our listeners, they're like, hey, I got a product or a service or a company that that doesn't have that appealing Harley or Yeti type adventure thing to it. It's like, hey, I want a pharmacy, you know, or I want a, yeah. um, you know, I'm a plumber. Like, I, what do I, how am I going to get people to open my email? Or I own an HVAC company, you know, how am I going to get people? I was trying to do that one for my guy behind the scenes here. He has a great story with that HVAC company. Um, but, you know, how do those companies tell a brand story and get people to engage in their email marketing? Uh-huh. Okay. So a lot of- What example do you have of one maybe that you've worked with too to say, hey, this is a company that's not, their product's not exciting. There's nothing sexy about what they're offering, but they've been able to have some success with their email marketing campaigns. Yeah. I mean, you know, the majority of businesses out there really aren't as exciting as as people think. I, we all kind of focus on, on the really cool brands and yet- yeah. Um, in the business world, the majority of people own very quote unquote, you know, just kind of boring businesses, but they're necessary. Um, for a lot of local service businesses, one thing I think people underestimate for one, just being giving general tips related to the thing that you sell. So, um, like Chad doing his tax tip, that's great. HVAC companies just doing sharing out general maintenance tips or uh, especially seasonal stuff. So every time the season changes, kind of sending them a guide of, of certain things they can do. Um, and then also trying to just tap into the local area. And and I something that I don't see businesses doing enough, but I have seen businesses do this in an interesting way is where uh, they kind of collaborate with other local businesses where it's like a cross promotion, but it's not really salesy. So I haven't seen this with HVAC, but there's always something to be done like that. So for example, um, well, actually getting back to the tax service, one thing that comes to mind that would be, it would provide you with pretty much unlimited content is just having commentary on any kind of financial news and tying it into a tax tip. Because every day there's some sort of financial headline. So it could be that, um, you know, some crypto billionaire lost all their money and this is how they, you know, what they could have done to invest it better. And this would have been a tax strategy I would have advised or whatever. But but you're leaning on the the headline is the thing that's getting the attention and, and capturing the interest from the person. And you're just tying in your service. So, yeah, some of these like plumbing HVAC is not, you know, it's not going to be as sexy of headlines, but that's where you're probably going to go more into just trying to give useful tips. And I like to, while it's great to give out evergreen information, that's true all the time, the more you can make it timely to now. So if it's like, you know, certain tips that you, that are only true in December, and then maybe HVAC tips that are only true in January, and you kind of make it seem like every month there's something they need to know about, that's going to make it a lot more interesting because they, again, it just feels a little bit more specialized and it feels like 
oh, I should probably read this today because it's positioned in a way that it looks like this might not be uh, useful to me two months from now. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but if you, the more it looks like, oh, that's always going to be there, the more I don't really need, I don't have the pressure to read it today. Yeah. I think even with talking about Chad and his interactions online more so, I think you'd actually did a little bit better on this with emails, but they probably weren't as like automated or anything like that. But it was during all the PPP loans and all that type of stuff for him mm-hmm. was just like, he, he created a firestorm of pe- people coming to him with being able to say, like put himself out there. Cause I, none of that stuff was understood either. It was changing like every minute, but mm-hmm. Chad would be out in front saying, Hey, let's talk about this. This is, this is what it means right now. And it really did create a lot of conversation and talk. And of course that was a timely thing, right? It was a, um, it, it wasn't going to matter three years later. So he he created tons of engagement. So I could definitely see with that if there's if there's pieces of information we could provide that were specific to the time we're in. Uh, and I like what you're saying too, because I've always heard like, hey, the, you can create evergreen content. It's great because then it's you know it's not just used once. But if, or, correct me if I'm wrong here. Are you saying, hey, sometimes if you can convey your evergreen type content in a timely manner of like, hey, you need to like, this is something you may not have thought of, or this may be new for you, it helps somebody open it or somebody pay attention to it. Cause it seems like it's got, it has an expiration date, so to speak. Yeah. So I, for your automated stuff, that's tied to your sales process. I always keep everything in there evergreen uh-huh. just for the sake of not having to go constantly update it. And also because again, those are like, those are the big, the main questions, the main sales objections that they have. You're trying to address all of that. Now for your ongoing email marketing, where there is, where you're having to come up with new content. Yeah. The more it can be timely to now, the more, not only is it just more interesting and enticing, but it also makes it feel more like a conversation. It doesn't feel like you're in this email that they created a year ago and you're getting it again today. It actually feels like you sat down to write this a few days ago. The more you can be timely, the the more interesting it is, but also it just makes it easier for you to put a spin on evergreen topics. You can take things that like you just, it's basically something that you would have already said anyways, but you make it more interesting by adding on an element of either tying it to a news story or tying it to the specific time of year or anything that you can make it relevant to today. I like that. I think it makes sense because that's something people are already like searching for or interested in. So you're actually able to tie your Mm -hmm. somewhat non-interesting content today into something that people are already interested in. Um, I want to take us way back. I want to go back to the beginning of I'm a business. I have no email list. I've never done this. I know I would be successful at it. I know I need to do this. This sounds awesome. And like, where the heck do I start? Um, am I, do I go down and join the chamber of commerce and take the email addresses in there and blast a bunch of stuff out to people? Or how do you, how would you begin if you had nothing right now, um, from an engagement or an email list standpoint? And is he saying that too, just to put it in a little bit of context here, Kyle, like Chad just recently, like same industry, but started a new company doing what he's been doing. So he's still got clients that carry over from one company to the next. But like all the newsletter stuff, all this completely new brand, new email addresses, new everything. And I don't think you've really been doing a whole lot of newsletter stuff before. Maybe you had an email list, but you weren't really utilizing it. Yeah. So he's got that. And on my side, there are some things that I'm doing. It's the same exact thing, except like, hey, I got a, I'm creating something brand new, no email list, like nothing. So let's say there's a product that's there, that's that kind of thing. But we haven't really gone out into the market with from an email perspective. There's not anything there. There's no copy. There's no offer. 
there's not anything, but we recognize most, I think if all of our listeners would say, I know I should be sending something, but what, how do I get started? So Chad is to piggyback on that. That's kind of what you're saying, right? It's like, Hey, just, we got, you know, prospects and maybe some clients, but no email list, no offer, none of that. How do we get started with this? Cause you're talking about it. You need this and you need this automation and you need this when they opt out. We're like, man, I, I got a website. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. where would we get, where does our listener get started if they recognize Kyle's right? I need to have all this stuff in place, but man, I, I can't, I don't got the time to learn it and I don't have the time to do it. And I'm behind all the stuff I should already be doing. That's the, the absolutely essential help us out, man. What the heck are we supposed to do? Okay. Yeah. This is important because without the list, there's no, there's nothing, no one to send an email to, right? So to get started, you can do, there are places like the chamber of commerce, or there's different places where you can access an existing list. Honestly, it doesn't usually go very well if you're trying to uh, get lists from other people, unless there's some sort of, unless there's a recommendation made to you. If if the people who own that list are you know emailing them and it's from them and they're trying to get people to then move over to your list, yeah, that can work. But to try to email them cold and even if you explain where you got the email from, it usually just doesn't go over well for the most part. Um, and it can really harm your email deliverability by doing that. So then it's, okay, well, now I'm starting from scratch. I can't even start with a list. Well, now what? So <laughs> this might not be the answer everyone would want to hear, but just with what's happening right now in the market, I would suggest that the fastest way would be to go on social media, assuming you don't have a budget to do paid advertising or anything, go on social media and focus on short form video content and have the call to action be to get people on your list and really focus on getting people. I would rather get more, more people to my email list early on when growing social media, even if it meant that it caused my uh, social media page to grow a little slower because it's more valuable to have that person on my email list. And also the person who signs up to my email list is a more valuable lead than the person who only follows my page on social media. But now the caveat here is you got to give them a reason to sign up. Just asking them to sign up, no one's going to do that anymore. Saying like, oh, you're going to get you know, free access to my newsletters and all this. Like, No one cares about that anymore, right? It's like, I already know I already know if you're on social, I already know you're putting out, like you're, you're focusing on putting out good content here. So I don't need to go to your email list to get another you know piece of content. So this is where it's got to be either um, for product businesses. It's usually just like a, a coupon, just like a 10, 15% off coupon, believe it or not, as simple as that it generates a ton of leads. A lot of these people who are even kind of interested in buying, they're like, Oh, I'm going to get that coupon just in case I do buy. And that often converts a lot of those sales. But it doesn't have to be a coupon. It could be a free gift. It could be a free download, a free training. Um, it could be a quiz. So let's just say, um, you know, going back to the HVAC thing, it could be maybe like, you know, understanding a quiz that helps you answer some questions about your home and, you know, what your needs are. And then that's just part of like the sales process. Uh, and you get, you would want to give them some sort of result from that, that, that helps them. Um, this is really popular with a lot of product-based businesses, like for example, a, a company that sells uh, somewhat personalized hair care products. They have you take this quiz to find your hair type and they've got probably like 10 predefined hair types, but then they send you follow-up emails with products that are personalized to you for your hair type. I'm and asking because, for a friend here, but what, <laughs> what's the name of that company? Chad's going to uh, go ahead and get it. Yeah, dang it. Hold on. Uh, uh, pros, P-R-O-S-E. 
That's their whole marketing angle. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, you've got to have something and then you can try different things. Like if you, you don't have to use the same, it's called a lead magnet or mm-hmm. there's other terms for it, but the hey, thing I'll tell you, you what use keeps to me from doing this right now, okay. what, you're, what you're saying mm-hmm. is I feel like I got to have the, this, this whole automated, uh, automated system is going to be built out. There's got to be, I don't even know how many emails. I just know there's got to be more than one. Like what are they getting when they do the deal? And to me, I feel like there's this mountain of work that I have to do on the front side before I could ever really start building the list. Cause I've heard, you know, Oh, if you get their email, you don't send them anything, you know, right then you've kind of lost it. So there's this, I don't chat. I don't know if you feel the same way, but there's this element of like, I got to go do all this work that I don't know how to do before I could do this, start doing the videos, asking for that, you know, Hey, sign up for this and I'll give you this to give me your email. And I'm like, I don't, once I have their email, what am I sending them? I don't know if this is a common thing other entrepreneurs feel, but that's that's what's kept me out of this game for as long as it has. Honestly, I probably make up the other rules or reasons why I feel a reluctance, but that's the ultimate reason of reluctance for me is I feel like there's a mountain of work that I got to do before I can start getting emails. But my, again, that's just my feeling. That's not based off of any type of you know data I've seen. That's just how Josh feels about what you're saying. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a common sentiment, and if you're looking at you know, optimizing the whole sales process with all these automations. Truthfully, it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you, you know, if you're telling yourself, oh, I can't, you know, start generating leads to my list until I have all that built out. I mean, just to not, you know, lie. I mean, you're looking at probably two to four weeks of, of work if you're doing it all yourself to get that a bare bones, you know, deal set up, assuming that a learning curve for, for everything. Right. But I would definitely argue against that and say, just start getting people on your list as soon as possible. And, and just getting them on the list can be very, very simple. So again, you just need to have, you need to sign up for an email service provider. So you have an ability to collect those emails in the first place. You need to come up with what that thing is. It's going to be the thing that entices them. So that's why a lot of companies do just offer a, a coupon or some kind of discount because it's instant. You can just create the coupon in Shopify and that's it, right? If so you're you would a service- say it'd be better to go ahead and just get, hey, just go ahead and get the emails, get build the list before you have all the automation in place. Absolutely. The reason okay. why is because there's going to, it's just part of its luck, part of its luck and timing. So you have an audience, wherever you're getting people onto your list from, whether it's the podcast or social media or whatever, let's just say someone listens to the podcast today and you didn't ask for the email, but are you for sure that they're going to, like that person might have signed up today. But what if they don't listen to the podcast again, you know, or what if they, that particular post that you posted on YouTube or on TikTok or whatever, that thing for, you know, really hit them and they would have signed up then, but then the next two posts they see from you, they, they didn't care as much. And that wouldn't have been the thing. So you're just not even, you're eliminating the chance to get, you know, people to sign up, right. By not, by not making the option available. The other thing is once they're on your list, I mean, yes, it's true. Like if you let them sit there for a year, yeah, they they will go cold. But but to get a couple of initial emails going where they're going to at least receive a couple of emails, is, that's very easy. Again, you don't have to have a designed email. It can be just text only. Um, and then you, again, if you're just focusing on just general introduction stuff, letting people know what you're all about, what your brand is about, what sets you apart, answering some questions, addressing some sales objections, you can drag that out over uh, several emails easily. And it's just, this is all stuff you know off the top of your head. 
as long as you're not overthinking and you just sit down and write these as if you were having a conversation with a real prospect in person. And it, that's how it's going to feel to them. They get this email and it feels like Josh actually just sat down and wrote this email for me. And that's all you need. It doesn't need to be more complicated. Now, can you get a lot more value out of going more complicated and all that? Yeah, of course. But again, that's that's the that's the problem you're talking about is you're, you, you probably want that. So maybe it's like, maybe you're kind of a perfectionist or maybe it's like, you just don't want to, you know, ha have a half measure. So you're thinking if I don't have this nice system, I'm not going to, I don't want to even start at all. And it really oh, does delay in. We're looking at like, I don't know what font I want to use. That'll send out an email that's got, you know, 17 misspelled words. Cause he's like execution, execution, ex execution. I'll never send it out because again, I'm like, ah, is that the right shade of blue? You know, that's, that's where we would find ourselves on the kind of different ends of the spectrum there. Um, but then Chad probably also be looking at like sending out some emails and not getting the response you wanted to me. Like, I ain't got time for that crap anymore. Both of, you know, as far as in doing this stuff. So if I can ask you a specific question to this, Kyle, I think one of the things we'd recognize for the stronger business community is that we got listeners on both sides. We have some that are they're in the early phases. Maybe their business is still, is still a side gig. Maybe they need every single dollar that's coming in to, to pay their expenses. And so they don't have the money to invest in hiring someone to do this for them. What's the best place for that person just to go learn? Hey, these are the, this is what you need to do. In order for you, if you don't, if you can't pay somebody else to do it, but you, but you know, you want to create your email newsletter, go here and it'll teach you how to do it. I say YouTube, honestly. Um, so first it's, you need to figure out, do, do some Googling on what email service providers are great for your business type. It's just going to make life a little easier up front because it means less coding and trying to connect through third-party apps and all that. Right. So, um, so if you're an e-commerce business, Klaviyo is a great solution for um, pretty much any website that runs WordPress. And if you're not strictly e-commerce, ActiveCampaign is a, is a great solution um, if we're looking at. So some of these others I would, I would mention, they're a lot higher price, so they're probably not, uh, wouldn't be right for this kind of person. But so then it, when once you've selected that, if you wanna go with one of these more established platforms because they have a huge community of people, not only do they have a community of people on their website that are providing a bunch of educational tutorial type of stuff, they have a big community of people who are posting videos online. Uh, for example, I, I post tutorials on YouTube about how to do certain basic things like creating segments in Klaviyo. So, and again, if you're going with one of these, they're going to have these details. So you don't have to go super complicated, Just stick with the roadmap that they lay out. So it's more about finding a good fit for your business type finding a platform that you know you can afford. A lot of these are, they allow you to start for very cheap. A lot of them have even free plans for when you're getting started. And then just go to the YouTube rabbit hole and kind of figure out, okay, what's like, what's the first sequence I need? So for most businesses, it's some type of welcome sequence. Just get that in place. And, and you can build and you can add on to this over time. It's, it's not something where you have to have this well-polished machine up front. It's more about, okay, do I have a way to get people onto the list? And are they, do I have it set up to where they can at least get the information they need to make a buying decision once they've signed up? And that's really all you need in this early, early phase, because a lot of the traction is going to come from getting the attention in the first place that would ever allow someone to even find out about your email list. So that, that's one thing here is that I'm not, I've definitely never tried to act like email is the be all end all because without generating the ability to generate traffic. 
email just doesn't exist because you have no one to email to. So that really is the bigger problem. So I, I would say, honestly, even though I do email and, you know, you would think that I would like tell you how it's like the most important thing, I would say, just get that basic set up first, then go back to focus, double down on getting traffic onto your list, however you're doing that. And then once you start to get some traction on your list, then go back and revisit and start building out these systems more. But you don't really need a robust you know, setup of all these different automations up front. You, you just really need like that basic entry point and welcome series. And a nice to have would be to have, if you have a, a sales process with multiple steps, yeah, to have some of those extra automations in place. So if you're a service business, uh, and, and there's a sales call involved. Have a have a follow up sequence for after the sales call um, to, for people who don't convert on the spot. You know, a couple of basic things like that. But otherwise, it, I would say once you get that basic setup, just focus more on getting people onto the list. All right, second side of that question, and again, it's just some of our listeners on the front side of their entrepreneur adventure. Others are they're seasoned. They've already found some success, but this is an area where. It's untapped. They haven't really focused on that. I think for both of us, we would say, hey, we've never really done a whole lot with email marketing. And we can afford to, we're like, hey, I can't afford to give my personal time to it. I don't have anybody on my team currently that this is going to be where their giftedness lies. I just want to, but I, but I recognize it's important and I want to incorporate it into what we're doing. I got, re- I got money to pay for it. What's the best thing for those established companies that want to outsource email marketing? What, what are the steps that they needed to take to move in that direction? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you definitely want to talk to a few teams and see what their process is as far as like, they're probably going to do an audit of your account and then present to you, you know, some potential opportunities, maybe some problems and things that are going wrong. Um, But the first place I always start with is, is doing that audit, just looking at what's going on. Usually there's, uh, there's work to be done upfront on the automation side. And that's where I would definitely prioritize your focus upfront because that's, where you're going to find a lot of that hidden revenue that's just right there of people who are actively in your sales process right now that aren't buying, but would buy. And then after, once you've got that, you know, really polished, then it's the ongoing email marketing. So you do, I mean, look, a lot of these, a lot of agencies, like they know how to maximize the sales from emails, but they're, it's because they're they're just blasting emails out and they're doing all of the, you know, urgency type of subject lines and that sort of thing will end up doing more harm than good because it kills your deliverability. And then it gets to where not as many people on your list are even receiving your emails anymore. And you get to where you're actually losing more people than you're gaining. And sometimes it can be, if you're not watching the numbers carefully, it's like, it's kind of hard to spot that. Um, Because again, it's like a lot of, if they're not tracking this, the engagement metrics might look good because there's just fewer people receiving it because it's going to spam. But the way the engagement, the way the metrics look, it still looks like you have good open rates and click rates. And you're like, but the sales are way down. Like, what's going on? So it's going to come down to your goals. But I would say, you know, for us, we're, we're definitely big on the content, um, just putting a little bit more thought into the content that goes out to people and making it interesting for people. Um, so it's, you know, that, those are the things that I would definitely recommend looking for. If, if we were interested in hiring you and Elevate and Scale to do this for us, is there a certain size customer you work with or what's that look like from y'all side? The sweet spot for us uh, are businesses between half a million a year to like 5 million a year. Uh-huh. And, and really it- the main, yeah, really the main thing even beyond that is just because um, just more of preference than anything else as far as businesses going bigger than that. 
And is this something that you pay per month for? And what would, what does this look like from a cost and a frequency and how do you, how do y'all approach this process? Yeah. So it's a, it's a flat retainer based on the amount of emails that we're doing every month. A lot of agencies now are also doing a rev share. So those are the two most popular models right now would be a flat, a flat retainer based on the amount of emails or um, some sort of rev share type of program. So the rev share program, that's kind of a no risk option for us as a business owner. We say, Hey, wherever we, we engage in this, whatever it generates and whatever revenue is, we pay you a percentage. And if it works awesome, we're all making money. If it doesn't, then there's not a whole lot of risk on our side. Yeah. The way it tends to work out is so there's, there's no risk up front. Cause you, you know, if for some reason things went wrong, you wouldn't be out of pocket for any money, but uh, there's also kind of a billing nightmare uh, to do that. So usually it's structured in a way that the smaller your business is, the more it favors you and the bigger your business is and the more revenue that's being generated through email, you end up paying way more than you would have if you went with a flat rate retainer um, that would have been you know, profitable for the agency. So that's just like a little uh, inside you know, on the thinking behind that. Sure. And obviously there's a lot goes into this, but Ballpark pricing. Is this something that averages a thousand dollars a month? Is this something that averages five thousand dollars a month? What is the ballpark range of what a business pays for on average for this type of service? Yeah, so it's gonna be different by industry and agency, obviously. Um, I would say it's a wide range. So you can find people out there. I mean, you can find people out there for a thousand a month or less, even if you're going with freelancers. I would say pretty average for an email agency. You're looking at probably like twenty five hundred a month uh, and up. Going, you know, uh, it could it could go upwards of like seven, eight, you know, even ten thousand if you're like a real, you know, there's a lot of big businesses that are sending out a ton of emails every month. But again, it's because their list is so big and all the segmentation comes into play that no one on the list is getting any of those emails twice. So uh, it can range, but yeah, I would say I'd say average is probably like two to five thousand a month. Awesome. All right. Land in the plane, Chad. Your favorite. Do it. Land in the plane. Max out moment time, Kyle. All right. So if there was only one thing that you could share with our stronger business audience, that would be the tip. You're like, hey, if you didn't listen to anything else we talked about today, it could be about email marketing, it could be about whatever. But if you didn't get anything else out of the the episode, if you didn't listen to anything but this, this would be, again, the max out moment, the thing they would take away, they'd get the most benefit or impact from what would your max out moment be? Okay. So based on the concerns that you guys shared, and these are very common concerns that I hear uh, with people who are approaching email marketing, I would say to keep in mind the mantra of always be testing, meaning that every email you send out is really just a test for future emails. So if you can remove that pressure from yourself that this email today has to be perfect, um, or that I have to get everything right, whether it's the segmentation or or whatever. If you can remove all of that and just know that, okay, it's okay if it totally flops, it would be amazing if it's a home run. But either way, I'm just going to to learn from it. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna put it out there. I'm gonna do my best, put it out there, look at how it performs, and then look at what can I learn. So okay, um, maybe it's maybe I took the right marketing angle, but I. The people people clicked, but they didn't buy the product. Maybe I promoted the wrong product. You know, maybe I focused on the wrong benefits for that product. You would never know 
if you don't continue to send out more emails, if you just send out one time and then you didn't like the response and then you kind of, you know, get scared and you don't send again for another month or two, you won't learn anything. But then if you follow up with those people a week later and then follow up a week later, for one, they're going to warm up to you more. You're probably going to see your engagement steadily rise because of that. But then you will start to get a pulse on what do they actually care about as far as which products or services I'm talking about, how I talk about it. Uh, did I, you know, use images or not, whatever, all this stuff can be, can be tested. So if you can just remove all of this pressure and remove the idea of I'm annoying people and just get started and keep going and think of everything as a test, it, I think it will make it a lot easier. Love it. That's absolutely awesome. All right, guys, if you want to find Kyle online, you've made it super easy for us, by the way, elevateandscale.com. You can also find him on TikTok and Instagram at Elevate and Scale. I love this, how you got that name. And it seems like you got it everywhere. So y'all check out Kyle at ElevateandScale.com. If you got any more questions on email marketing, you can learn from this guy for sure. Kyle, thanks for being with us on the Stronger Business Podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Until next time, grow stronger and we will see you at the summit. If you enjoyed this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast, be sure to leave us a review and share it with a friend. You can find us online to connect at strongerbusiness.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Stronger Business. We look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you at the summit.